Today's scripture reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Thank you, Robin and Mark and Ross, for helping us move through the resurrection story this Easter morning in our readings of scripture and in our sharing of communion and in our songs, our worship. Jesus lives. Amen? Jesus reigns. Amen? And praise, praise be to God that the grave could not hold our Lord and Savior. What a time to be alive, am I right? Imagine witnessing Jesus resurrected, getting to touch his nail-scarred hands, to put your hand in the spear-pierced side, getting to hear the words from his mouth, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. It is no wonder that there's so much excitement in the days and the months that followed in these early chapters of Acts as the early church grew and grew. As we just read in Acts chapter 2, and as we've seen in multiple times over the, over, over the past few months, the atmosphere in the early church is infectious. People are excited. Last week, we, we read about these great examples of uh, Christian leaders like Stephen, who are doing great works for Jesus. Everything is going so well. And almost like a scene from a movie where the stars are aligning for the main characters. Maybe the guy gets, gets the girl or a new baby is born or the victory is won. Whatever could go wrong. And we read this in Acts chapter 8. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. And Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Jesus still lives. Jesus still reigns. And like a scene from a movie... In the blur of excitement, everything changed. Over the last two weeks, we've returned to Acts as we asked this question. Who needs to know? Who still needs to see Jesus? We know that there are many who are far from God. In fact, it seems like more and more every year in our, in our country. But what do these people really look like? Where do we find them? It might sound like an obvious question, but if we are not intentional to notice these people, people who need to see Jesus, 
we can often and will often overlook them. And very well-meaning Christians like myself can completely neglect their responsibility as a witness of the truth. As Tom brought before us two weeks ago, there are those that who oppose us, who are in deep need of relationship with Jesus. The apostles demonstrated this as they faced persecution. Last week, we talked about those who are in need. Our call as a Holy Spirit community is not just to teach Jesus, but to be compelled by the needs of those people around us, Christians and non-Christians, spiritual and physical needs. I encourage you to go back and to listen to these previous messages. This morning, I intend to bring another group of people before you who need to see Jesus. You see, you and I are uniquely situated to reach a very unique group of people. Even though we gather together regularly to participate in Christian community, much like the Christians in Acts chapter 8, we are scattered all throughout the region. Some of us drive 45 minutes to an hour for worship. There I'm here who might have driven two hours. Some of us walked about 30 seconds. And in our different locations, our different walks of life, in our scattering, we have so many different opportunities to demonstrate the good news that we have seen and heard. Christians in the early church experienced being scattered a number of times, and what they did during those seasons is an incredible model for you and for me. This morning, as we look at Acts chapter 8, and as we reflect back at the end of Jesus' life, I want to think about this. How does your life change? Because Jesus rose from the dead. As was read earlier, the months following Jesus' resurrection from the dead in Acts chapter 2 certainly was an exciting time for people who were following Jesus, who were coming to know Jesus for the first time. Not only were they gathering together regularly to share meals and to share in their love for Jesus, but day by day, more and more people were hopping on the bandwagon because Jesus lives, everything changed for people who followed him. Unfortunately, it wasn't all roses and joy. After the first wave of excitement wears off, real life begins to set in. And what seems like this incredible church camp experience in Acts chapter 2 turns into a very real and very frustrating time for Christians in Acts chapter 8. And honestly, our Christian experience, or at least my Christian experience, has felt more like Acts 8 and Acts 2. I want to reread the beginning of Acts 8 again. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, thankfully, you and I do not live in a country where there is legal punishment for a belief in God. But the prospect that that could become our reality is a lot less hard to believe than it used to be. And even if we aren't yet in a period of physical persecution, our lives 
certainly feel more scattered. And what we read in Acts chapter 2. You know, as much as we talk about the crucifixion from Jesus' point of view, the great pain that he endured, the agony of knowing what lay ahead of him, I wonder what it was like for his disciples. The twelve disciples are included all throughout the ministry of Jesus, and in the Gospels they are virtually not found when Jesus is on the cross. The one exception I name being John, who stood by Mary's side from a distance as Jesus died. And when Jesus does die, and it's time for him to be buried, there is not one mention of the eleven who remain. Where were they? I I wonder what, what they were doing. Because shouldn't they have seen this coming? Shouldn't they know what's coming next? Shouldn't they be roaming the countryside, going house to house, telling, just you wait, in three days, Jesus is coming back. After all, Jesus told them this was going to happen. Jesus told them exactly where he was going to go. Uh, exactly where he was going to go, exactly what was going to take place. Jesus had already resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Shouldn't they be excited? But what do you do when the person that you followed for three years, who's told you so much good news and has revealed to you God in the flesh, what do you do when you watch him die? Based on the silence in the Gospels about what the disciples were doing, I tend to believe that they returned home and were afraid. I mean, for the most part, everything had been great so far. All of the healings and, and the good teaching from Jesus, the triumphal entry just a week ago, all of that seems to come to a screeching halt. Or the, or the disciples, and it kind of sounds like what happens to the Christians in Acts chapter 8. Everything was going so great, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church, and they were scattered throughout the regions. The church was ravaged. House after house, men and women were being dragged off. Where is Jesus now? Where is the Holy Spirit now? I want to return to Acts 8. Keep reading in verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about, preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many of them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. What did the Christians who were scattered do? They went about preaching the word. And how did Christians respond when great persecution came? There was much joy in that city. We have two scenes here of uh, our disciples this morning. One of trouble, or each of trouble and despair. One, the silence of the disciples after the death of Jesus. And the second scene is the joy that comes after the scattering and persecution in in Acts chapter 8. What's different in these two scenes? 
Why is one group of disciples joyful in their persecution and continues to preach the word, while in the other, the disciples are silent and fearful and virtually non-existent? In both scenes, people have seen or are seeing great signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit. In both scenes, there are Jewish leaders who want to silence Jesus and his followers. In both scenes, people are dying because of the words that Jesus has said. But the one thing that's different is that in Acts 8, the tomb is empty. Amen? Because the tomb is empty, Christians in Acts 8 are not just scattered in fear. They are scattered for a purpose. Yes, they are devastated over what has taken place among them. There is persecution and there is certainly even fear. But since Jesus has risen from the grave, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Jesus is with them always, even to the end of the age. If anything, their persecution, their being scattered, has given them more opportunities to share Jesus with others, to show others who Jesus is. Because of their persecution, the good news of Jesus has spread not just to the Jews who were in Jerusalem, but also to the Samaritans, previously the enemies of the Jews. Now the question for us is, are we scattered in silence and fear, or are we scattered for a purpose? Let me ask you this. Is the tomb still empty? As I consider what it's like to live in today's world with its frustrations and its heartaches, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus from John chapter 16. Truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. There are people out there who are trying to take your joy from you. There are evil forces out there and maybe even in here that are trying to make us forget that the tomb is empty. We need to remind each other, not just on Easter Sunday, but forever, the tomb remains empty. I want to remind you of the question I asked us earlier. How does your life change because Jesus rose from the dead? The obvious answer is, yes, absolutely, my life has changed. Because Jesus rose from the dead, I'm a new creation. My sins have been forgiven. But let's be serious for a moment. How has your life really changed? Because if we believe that, that the tomb is empty, the way that we live our lives is going to be turned upside down. Because the tomb is empty, when we are scattered about in our busy lives and in our persecution, the excitement continues because Jesus lives. I'm excited by all the people around our country who are turning their hearts and their minds to Jesus today as we remember the resurrection. What about tomorrow when we, we return to work? What about in a month? Will we still be so excited that the tomb is empty? The group of people that need to see Jesus 
this morning are not just the people who are sitting in this room. The people who need to see Jesus are the ones that we are going to see when we're scattered. Because you and I are uniquely situated to reach a very unique group of people. And even though we gather together regularly to participate in Christian community, much like the Christians in Acts chapter 8, we are scattered all throughout the region. And it's in our different locations, our different walks of life, in our scattering, that we have many different opportunities to demonstrate the good news to the people about what you've seen and what you've heard, to live as a witness. Are we making the most of those opportunities? How has your life changed because the tomb is empty? If you're not a Christian this morning, then maybe you need to know today the tomb is empty. Jesus was crucified on the cross, but he won a victory over death so that you and I can be free from sin. We would love to study with you and to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. This morning, if you are a Christian, do you need to be reminded that the tomb is empty? Has the shine and excitement of your faith in Jesus worn off as you trudge through your scattered life? If you have a need, whether it's in, in person or on Facebook, we hope that you make it known. If not right now, then maybe later this week. There are people out there scattered in your life. I don't know who they are, but I'm sure that you do, who need to see Jesus. Are you showing Jesus to them? Or like the disciples, as Jesus is placed in the tomb, are we going to leave here and return home in fear? There's no reason to be afraid anymore. No matter how scattered or how persecuted we become, the tomb remains empty. If you have a need, would you stand this morning as we come and sing?